discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. presence, the power of your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for all that you represent in our lives. Oh, just lift up your hands and just magnify the Lord. I want to just speak in tongues and just magnify God. Oh, we give you glory. want to say thank you yes thank you for your precious gift of your son jesus christ thank you for all that jesus has done for us through his death burial and resurrection thank you for the goodness that we enjoy thank you for the responsibility that you have given to us to preach your word your gospel throughout the nations of the earth to preach your righteousness and your peace in this world. A responsibility that angels desire to have but are not given the opportunity. Thank you for this glorious opportunity that we have. This afternoon, this morning, Lord, we receive your word with meekness, with gladness. Thank you that it brings us closer in knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, and closer your perfect work concerning our lives. Thank you for fruitfulness in every sphere of our lives. Thank you for miracle signs and wonders accompanying us every step of the way. Thank you for testimonies, gracious testimonies before this year ends to your glory. Thank you that whatever is hanging is released from us to your glory and to your praise. Thank you for advancement on every sign given in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a big shout. And you may kindly take your seats in heavenly places. Yeah, so I'd love to share and conclude on what we've been sharing. I've been sharing with you. I think about four, this will be the fourth message on it, right? Beautiful. So I'm sharing with you on the will of God, doesn't it? I shared on the elective will of God last week. I'm sharing on the core will of God today. I'm just finishing on the call. That's the main thing that we are talking about, the core will of God. Hallelujah. So I call mass an elective mass, isn't it? 
Yes, there's, there's an aspect of the will of God that is common to everybody. And that's the core will of God. And I started sharing with you from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, if you remember. I've said a lot of things already, so, so I'm not going to recap today. It says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. There's a good pleasure, the will of God that brings God good pleasure. And that will is for us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Every one of us. You can't say, well, this is my temperament. This is how I am. Every temperament must conform to the image of the son of God, which is Jesus Christ. Whether you're phlegmatic, melancholic, sanguinous, or uh, what? What's the other one? Or choleric. Makes no difference what you are. How was Jesus? How was Jesus like? That is what God is expecting you and I to develop into. We are born again, you know, in the image and the likeness of our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. First John chapter 4, verse 17 says that. Let's look at it. First John 4, 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So we look like him internally. In our spirit, our spirit man is just like Jesus. And if you've been, if you've been listening to what I've been sharing with you, I've, I've made you know very clearly that you, you are just like him. There's no difference between us and Jesus. Do you see? In the spirit. But when you check outside, you realize that there's a very clear difference. Or you've not noticed. When you look at your thoughts, you realize that there's a very clear difference. You see, First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. It says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So we are one spirit with the Lord because we are joined to the Lord. The new bed brings us into union with Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 20. Look at John 14, 20. He said that at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father. And you shall know that you are in me. And you shall know that I am in you. Have you seen it? So he says, you shall know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So we are in him. We are united. We are joined to him. And that makes us one spirit. Your spirit man, you in the spirit, is not different from Christ at all. But you in the physical, it's very different. You in your thoughts, you in your actions, you in your attitude, you in your intelligence, uh, you in your academic brilliance, you notice that it's not like that, isn't it? Now, so God has an aim in your life of making sure what has happened in your spirit happens in your soul and happens in your body as well. Okay? And that's what happens as you receive God's word. The more you see the word of God and the more you allow the word of God to be sown into your heart, the more what is in your spirit shows up in the physical. The more you become conformed to the image of a son. God wants all of us to conform. He wants all of us to change. Conform means to change into what you are to become another shape or another state. Do you get it? He wants you to change from your anger to becoming a very patient person. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was very patient. He wants you to change from your defeatist mindset into a victory-oriented mindset. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had no limitations. He saw, he saw no limitations. When the water was there, the, when he got to the, 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 the sea, and there was no boat. He worked on it. No limitations. Always had victory on all sides. When there was, no, when there was lack, 
and there was no bread. What did he do? He multiplied the bread. He had power over all the elements of the world. God wants you to have power over everything that comes your way. Everything that comes your way. Over your boss not being kind to you. God wants you to have, God wants you to have power over, over your boss not, having, not being nice to you. God wants you to have power over your emotions. God wants you to have power over your, your what tries to destroy you. You get it? Yes, that's, that's the desire of the Lord for, for you. And the more you grow in some of these things, the, the more you reflect or the more God is excited. This is, the, this is the perfect will of God for your life. For you to conform to the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 29. For whom he did for all those that God knew beforehand, he also did predestinate. So there's a destination for all of us. Every one of us sitting here, there's a destination for you. And that destination is that you be conformed to the image of the Son. So that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. You want Jesus to be the firstborn, the first type amongst many other types. You get it. He wants Jesus to be the first among all of us. All of us looking like him. That's why in Ephesians 4, verse 11 to verse 16, he tells you why he gives us pastors and prophets and all of that. He says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the purpose of perfecting God's saints. You see, for perfecting the saints, for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. He wants us to do the work of the ministry. He wants us to edify the body of Christ or build up the body. All of us involved in building up the body of Christ. For the purpose of getting to the place where till we all come in the knowledge, in the unity of the faith. The one, And I explained this the last time to you. In the oneness of the faith. And come unto the knowledge of the Son of God. The word knowledge is epignosis. The full knowledge of the Son of God. He wants all of us to come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. Where what Jesus thinks is what you think. How he behaves is how you behave. His, acts as, his actions are your actions. His patience is your patience. His victory is your victory. His love is your love. His suffering is your suffering. His sacrificing is your sacrificing. His righteousness is your righteousness. You see, we have the righteousness of God, but he wants you to live it out. He wants, you to, he wants us to see it practically in your life. on every aspect. And that's the aim of God. That's God's main aim. Hallelujah. So we all come in the angel of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, not of any other person, of Jesus. You see, unto the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. Of Christ. Jesus is a standard. All of us must grow to walk like him, to think like he does. Practically, inwardly you are like him. I've told you that already. So it's not that you are trying to become something that you are not. You are what you are something that you are bringing out into this world by the agency of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Please, you understand. Now look at the next verse, verse fourteen. Then he says, "So that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine." By the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. As long as someone can deceive you and say something to you and then you believe it. Concerning God's house, concerning Jesus, and all of that. Deceive you or say something that is not correct. That is not biblical and it's, it's okay. And you go with it. It says you are not growing as you are supposed to. You are not getting to the destination that God wants you to get to. As long as you can get so angry that you want to leave the church. It means that you have not, you are not, you, you weren't growing as you're supposed to. 
13 in NLT. Okay, go to verse 13. Pastor Ebon says, you read it in the NLT. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Have you seen it? Measuring up to what? The full and complete standard of Christ. So Christ is the standard. God wants us to measure up to that standard. So you can't run away from it. Same thing. Everything is about Jesus. You see, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, look at Colossians 1, 17. It says, and Jesus, he's talking about Jesus here. He says, Jesus is before all things. And by him, by Jesus, all things consist. Everything coheres by Jesus. Everything is put together by Jesus. Your life is together because of Jesus. The whole world is together because of Jesus. The Bible says that he sustains everything with the, with the word of his power. That's in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Look at Hebrews 1, 3. I hope you are writing notes. It says Jesus, he's talking about Jesus here. He says Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And he's the express image of God's person. You want to know God, we look at Jesus, you have seen God. And upholding, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things by the word. Everything in this world is upheld by the word of Jesus' power. Because he has spoken. That's why everything is together. Your prosperity is dependent on him. Your healing is dependent on him. Everything you can think about is dependent on Jesus. Jesus is the aim for Christianity. Christianity is... What's the meaning of Christianity? When we say someone is a Christian, what does it mean? The first time that people were called Christians was in Antioch, in Acts chapter 11. And they called them Christians because they noticed that they looked like Christ. And that's that Acts chapter 11, verse 26. When he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves together with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. They were first called Christian. The word Christian means like Christ. Those who look like Christ. Can you show me other versions? I don't know if other versions will show us what it means. Is there a Hebrew, a Greek word for the word Christian? Christianos. What does it mean? A follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. Not a follower of caste. Not a follower of prosperity. Not a follower of prosperity. Not a follower of um, good life. Soft life. Not a follower of what? Give me more. Of marriage. Of children. All those things are beautiful. They are important. They are very, very important. But then that is not the main aim. The main aim is to follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. As you follow me, he will make you, he will, he will prosper you. He will give you a husband, he will give you a wife. He will give you children, he will give you all the things that you are looking for as you follow him. Jesus is the aim, he's the object of what we, what we exist for. And that has to be very clear in your mind. Okay? Tell me about that has to be very clear in your mind. Jesus is the aim. If you don't hold on to him, you will have a problem. Go, go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, where we're reading. You read verse 14, isn't it, in the King James. Then went back to verse 13 for the NLT. Now, let's continue to verse 15 in the King James. Go to verse 15. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into who? Into, into him, right? Who is the him he's talking about? Who is the him he's talking about? Jesus. So he wants us to grow up into Jesus. 
Okay, in all things, in all things, every aspect of your life, you are growing up into Jesus, which is the head, even Christ. You grow up into him in all things. You grow up into him in your in your career life. Hmm? You grow up into him in your marital life. Your marriage, your husband, being a husband should be like Christ. Being a wife should be like Christ. Being a father should be like Christ. Being you are like him already, I told you. But he's talking about growing through the word, through the spirit into him growing up into him that's that's grow up into him in all things which is the head even christ you see because christ must have preeminence over all things that's what i was going to show in colossians chapter 1 we read verse 17 go to colossians 1 17. jesus is before all things and by him all things consist then verse 18 says and he is the head of the body jesus is the head of the body when we come to you we, no, the one, if, if someone is coming to meet you and is looking at your stomach, that means your, your stomach is really big. Yeah. We don't look, you don't, I'm introducing you to somebody and you're looking at a person, hello, come, come. I'm introducing you to, so this is the person we are getting to meet and you are saying this, hello, hello, how are you? Or you're looking at his leg, hello, how are you? Or you're looking at his hand, hello, how are you? You're looking at his shoulder, hello, how are you? No, you look at the face, isn't it? The head is what we are all looking at. We don't look at unless maybe your maybe your leg is looking one leg is looking like an elephant hey. and the other one is looking like a church fly. <laughs> we'll look there if it's like that. Yeah. Even that one, when we come close, we'll not look at that because it is rude. You don't do that. Yeah. The person is ill. Why are you looking at his illness? Yeah. You look at his face. Oh, hello, how are you? I'm fine. Oh, what a blessing. blessing. Wow. That's what you do. No be so. The head. Everything is about the head. It's not about anybody else. It's not about how beautiful you are, or how handsome you are, or how much money you have. It's not about, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. Christianity has nothing to do with any of those things. It has everything to do with Jesus. God's aim is Jesus. And God's aim is that everybody should look like Jesus. That's the core will of God. Conforming on all sides. If you were a thief, he wants you to stop stealing and conform to Christ by working to give. The word of God is Jesus. Jesus is the word. As you read the word, you get to know who Jesus is. Jesus is the aim for reading the scriptures. You don't read the scriptures for something else. If you, if you are not finding Jesus as you are reading the scripture, there's something wrong. Because everything is about him. Hmm? He says, he's the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? Jesus is the beginning of all things. Then he says, he's the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. God wants Jesus to have preeminence in all things. Let's read NLT. I don't know if it will say something nicer of this verse, verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. God wants Jesus to be first in everything, not you. Jesus is the aim of your worship. Jesus must be the aim of your praise. Jesus must be the aim of your service. Why are you singing in the, in the choir? You are not singing in the choir because you have a good voice. Or because it's, it's something you need to do. But you are doing it because you love Jesus. Every single, that's, that should be, I'm preaching because of my love for Jesus. I'm serving God because of my love for Jesus. If it changes to something else, I'm in trouble. If it changes to become money, I'm serving God because of money, then I'm going to be in trouble. 
then it means I'll do something else. The service will be different. When you come, we take tickets. Or when you, or you take tickets and you come and sit down for me to be able to pray for you. You want dilation? I need to give you dilation. When it changes, when, when the aim changes from Jesus to something else, every other thing gets spot. Yes. Chaos, I tell you. Jesus must be the reason why you are marrying. Why are you marrying? I'm marrying because I want to demonstrate the relationship that exists between Jesus and the church. If I'm a husband, the Bible says that husbands love your wives. Even as Christ, Jesus is the reason for marriage. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So as a husband, I'm demonstrating the, the, that relationship that exists between Christ and the church. I'm giving myself for my wife to make sure her life is going forward. To make sure everything is well with her. If it is, diff- it is, if it is different, then there's going to be a problem. The Bible says that, wives, submit your own husbands as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord Jesus. Just as the church submits unto Christ. So Jesus is the aim of all things. Why, why do you want to have children? <laughs> what for? So that you can send people. You can send them. <laughs> Take the remote for me. Get me some water from the fridge. Go and wash the dishes. So that you can show up that you also have children. As long as it's like that, you may have the children, but then you may have problems. Because Jesus is not the aim for your children. Why am I having children? I'm having children because I want to have a godly seed that will continue the purposes of Christ in the earth. God seeks a godly seed. Malachi. Chapter 2. Let, let's read a lighter version. This is verse 15. Let's read. Um, okay, didn't this NLT says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? The Lord made you one with your wife. In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? What does God want? God wants something from your marriage. What does God want? He wants godly children from your union. Godly what? From your union. So God takes pleasure in his children conceiving and giving birth. That's why in the New Testament, there's nothing like barrenness. It's not, it's not communicated. In the New Testament, he says, let all the, the, the women, the married women, he says, let all the women marry and bear children. He says, let them give birth. They should just give birth. As many as they will. Because all your children are godly seeds. What does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. God wants godly children. So that what he wants accomplished on the earth can be, can be continued. I don't know if you get it. When your children come, what are, you doing? what are you going to do with them? You're going to raise them in the light of the word of God. Raise them in the light of, uh, of getting to know Jesus. They need to get to know. My son knows that there's a heavenly father. He has a heavenly I'm just an earthly father. Who is just a physical representation of the heavenly father. Yes, I, I'm teaching him to learn. I'm trying my best to let, to let him know that talk to God first. When you wake up, talk to God first before you come and talk to me. Yes, talk to God first because that's, that's the aim. Hallelujah. Jesus must be the aim for every single thing. Jesus must be the aim for your work. Why are you working? Why do you want millions of dollars? Why? For what? How much can you eat? Amazingly, the older you get, the smaller your stomach becomes. Do you know? How many of you know? You are not old, so you don't know. As you grow up, hmm, your stomach becomes smaller. 
You can't eat a lot of things. Your doctor will say, this one is out. If you eat this, your pressure will go up. You can't do coke. You can't drink some things. Because it's not good for the body. You are, not going to, you are going to drink the coke and sit around. You are not going to jump around. You get it. And it's not going to help you. Faith is not foolishness. Stop saying in your head that, ah, but I'll, I'm the, I'm the, I have the life of God in me. <laughs> health is mine. Health is yours, but you have to watch your, you have to watch your health. You have to watch your diet. You have to rest. You have to exercise. Hey, the, life of, uh, the, uh, the life of God is working in me. Your stomach is looking like a, it's like five basketballs in your stomach. What is that? No. You are eating at 2 a.m. You are eating fufu at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. fufu. Are you okay? What is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. My prosperity is for Jesus. <laughs> My prosperity is for who? Jesus. Is the reason why I'm living, nothing else. I don't know why you are living. But nothing else makes sense. Nothing, every, everything else is temporary. Every, every, every reason you can put there is temporary. It doesn't last. It doesn't go for a long time. Jesus must have the preeminence. He must be first in all things. He must be first in my life. The reason for my existence. Everything. I showed you a verse the last time. You know, how Peter was advising the people. Telling them that the end is coming. All of those things. And he tells them how Satan is pushing it to destroy more people and all of that. Then he says, but you, that's in Second Peter chapter verse 18 says but you grow in grace but grow in grace he's, he's she, said I, she, I, I mentioned the scriptures verses you can read the, all the verses you can read from verse 1 talks about the end time and all the things that's going to happen then he turns to his congregation he turns to the people he was writing to he tells them that by you people you guys grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to whom to him be glory both now and forever Paul had Jesus as his aim. I mean, we think Paul is a great person, a great man. The reason why Paul did all the things that he did was because of what his aim was and because of the inspiration behind everything. Jesus was the aim and Jesus was the inspiration. Jesus was the reason for everything he did. If you read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Let's read Philippians 3, verse 7 in NLT so it's, it's easier to understand. You know, Paul was talking about those who take pride in physical things. You're talking about Jewish people who take pride in their physical things and that makes them close to God. Okay, go to verse 1 so we can read it. Let's, let's just see it. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Paul was always fighting those who said, you need to be circumcised to be saved. Salvation was dependent on circumcision or keeping of the law. He, he, every, every letter he wrote was to fight that particular thing. 
and he was in prison because he preached that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and that righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ and that you don't need to do anything to be accepted before God all you need is faith in Jesus Christ this was the reason why Paul was kept in prison for many years and that's the reason why he was beheaded he was beheaded because he was preaching that the cross of Christ is enough Christ's work on the cross is enough go to Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 just because I'm saying I want to show it to you Galatians 5 1 NLT is fine. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Not, not trying to say, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Make sure that you are Then don't get tied, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. This was Paul's message. Don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Where now you are born again. You are born again now. You got born again by faith in Christ. Now you want to please God by the law. By doing, keeping some things. They say we shouldn't do this. They say we shouldn't do that. They say we shouldn't do this. You are trying to do do's and don'ts. They say we should do this and do that. And do this and do that. It's not like that. You started by faith in Christ. You must continue by faith in Christ. That's all. How do you forget it? That's the gospel. That's why he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What gospel is that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news about how Jesus has sacrificed his life for us and done everything. About how, how that Jesus' blood is good enough. Jesus' blood is good enough for your salvation. It's good enough for your righteousness. It's good enough for your prosperity. It's good enough for your health. You don't need to do anything to have healing. You don't need to keep the Ten Commandments in order to be healed. Maybe you are ill here. There's something in your body that has been there for a long time. And you think that because you have not lived right, you don't have a right to healing. You are living under the law. You are born again, but you are living under the law. And he says that Christ will be of no benefit to you. Christ will be of... That's the next verse. Go ahead. Go ahead. Listen. I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, to have right standing with God, you see, it is your right standing with God that entitles you to having everything that God has made available in Christ, which includes healing and prosperity. Your prosperity is not dependent on what you do or do not do. Your prosperity is dependent on your believing in the fact that you are the righteousness of God. Christ has sacrificed himself for you, and you are accepted before God. Therefore, when you pray, God hears you. No matter what has happened, when you pray, God hears you. Does that mean that you should go around fooling around? So almost the almost half of Romans is answers the other question of should I go and fool around because now I don't need to do anything to have the blessings of God or to do what God wants me to do. He says, Don't be foolish. The grace of God teaches us to live soberly and righteously. Playing with sin is dangerous, no matter who you are. You play with sin, you're gonna be in trouble. An angel played with sin. And we got into trouble. His name is Lucifer. Yes. And he was able to get one third. There's no singing in heaven. They just say. They say holy, holy. When the angels appeared. Eh, when Jesus was born. They didn't sing. They said. They, okay. Let me show it to you. Luke chapter 2. Lucifer was able to take all the singing away. All the singing angels. It's said that there are three categories of angels. There, there are the warring angels, the sending angels, and then the singing angels. <laughs> Angel ministry, one-on-one. One one. Verse 13, Luke chapter 2, 13. It says, and suddenly there was the angel 
that was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, not singing. And what? Saying, not singing. They were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They were saying, because the singing angels are gone. <laughs> the other Christ that the, the devil became disloyal and took all the choristers from heaven. There's no character. God doesn't have a single character. That's why God has perfected praise in the mouth of babes. That is why that is why our worship is so important and our praises is so important to God. That's why He He inhabits the praise of His people. Hmm? Yes. Out of the mouth of babes and suckling has He ordained strength. The, this this one says strength, but in the New Testament it says praise. He has ordained praise because of thine enemies, so that He might still the enemy and the avenger. Because what the devil was doing is, is what we are now doing. And it pains him power when he sees us praising God. That's why when you are worshiping God, you have thoughts coming to you. Why, why are we wasting our time? It's going for too long. Let's just, just sit down. Also, is the devil who is talking to you? Matthew 21, 16. And he said unto them, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Jesus quoted the same verse, and instead of saying, strength he says praise because praise is the strength we have in our god yes that's why it's good to name your child praise yeah it's the power it's the other power the power of god i tell you hallelujah anyway that's just by the side yeah you shouldn't be fooling around yeah anyone who plays with sin will have a problem it's like telling you that oh um this, this is a knife. It's dangerous. So don't go close to it. And then you take it and then you're passing it around your hand. What do you think will happen? You are pressing it. Into, what, you are going to chop off your, your, your hands. Isn't it? No, sin is sin. No matter what you are. Or who you are. And you don't play with it. So grace does not mean mess up. No. Grace means flow with the Lord. To, it's to help you flow with the Lord. And if there's a problem, you can stand and continue. That was what Paul was preaching. And he had a major problem. They were beating him, all kinds of things, because he said that you, you are not accepted based on the law, based on circumcision, or based on keeping the law. You are, you are accepted before God in the New Testament based on your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus must be the aim, nothing else. So go back to Philippians chapter 3, where we're reading. Remember, we're reading Philippians 3 in the NLT. We read verse 1, verse 2. And I went to Galatians chapter 5, if you remember, to show you what Paul was preaching. Because Paul said to them, watch out for dogs, for the dogs, for those dogs. Who are the dogs? He's talking about the Jewish guys who were preaching strongly that you needed to keep the law in order to be saved. Those people who do evil, those mutilators who said you must be circumcised to be saved. Verse 3. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Those who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We, are, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah. We put no confidence in human effort. We put no confidence in human effort. Are you in the church? Yeah. It's not your all night praying that will make you accepted before God or make God move on your behalf. No. We pray all night for another reason. Why are we praying all night? We are praying all night to work with God in accomplishing His will in the earth. Why are we fasting? We are fasting to be able to understand God's word some more and have the revelation of Jesus Christ come to us some more so that we can, we can do what God wants us to do. 
Fasting and prayer is for you to, is to help you fulfill the will of God. Not to get anything from God. Why are we giving our tithes and all of that? We are giving our tithes and all of that because we love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, then you keep my commandments. What are his commandments? He says his commandments are not grievous. Hmm? His commandments include tithing, giving offerings, taking communion, loving one another. So you love God, you love your neighbor. He says that by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So all the things we do must have the foundation of love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not to be able to get something from him. That's not a primary reason. Because all that we require for life and godliness has been given to us by virtue of our faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It says we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Next verse. Verse 4. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. So he's going to recount where he came from. He says, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I have more reason to have confidence in my flesh. Confidence in the things in my efforts so that I can be accepted before God. Next verse. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. You are talking about circumcision. I was circumcised when I was just eight days. I was not 18 when I was circumcised. I was eight days old when I was circumcised. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was, I was a member of the Pharisees. If you, if you are thinking about keeping the law, I was a, I was a Jew, circumcised the eighth day. I was also a member of the Pharisees who demanded strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Next verse will shock you. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. It's a shock. What he's trying to say is that I kept the law every single ditto ditto. Every single jot and every single phrase. And as for the righteousness that comes by the law, I tell you, I obeyed the law without fault. Yeah, for someone to be able to say this is a very serious thing. Because if you if you disobey in one one small part of the law, you are broken the whole law. Yes. Then he goes on to say that all oh, next verse, verse seven. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I don't know if you understand the message. Next verse. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Jesus was his aim. Jesus was the reason why he started. Jesus was the aim of his life. Next verse. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Remember, he said that if it comes to that, I am faultless. Then he says, now I I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ is what makes you right with him. Next verse. Then he says, I want to know who? I want to know Christ. That, that, this, is, this is Christianity. I want to know Christ. Because Christ is everything. Jesus is everything. 
And he's the reason why we are existing. He's the reason why we are doing all, every single step is him. He's the reason for our existence. We must look like him at the end of the day. I want to know Christ and experience the, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And he said, I want to have this with him. I want to have that with him. He says so many things. God wants us to look like Jesus. That's God's aim. So the Holy Spirit is training us and raising us gradually. Training. I want to show you some of the things God is training us in. God wants you training. I don't know if you get my message. God wants you trained in faith. In what? For your faith, for you to express faith like Jesus expresses faith. Now we have the faith of Jesus Christ already. But God wants you to express that faith. Okay? In your finances. In your finances. God wants you to express the faith in your finances. God wants you to express the faith of Jesus. If you read in Galatians 2, verse 16, look at Galatians 2, 16. Paul said, we be now, knowing this, go, go to NLT. He says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right. Go to verse 15. He mentions that we be, aha, uh-huh. look at it. He says, you and I are Jews by birth. He was talking to Peter. He says to Peter, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Then verse 16 says, yet, even though we are Jews, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. You and I know. And we have believed, you and I have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Have you seen it? You cannot be made right by obeying the law. <laughs> you can't. Don't stop trying. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law was to strengthen sin. If you try to obey God in your own way, it doesn't work. Accept the fact that God accepts you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And then God empowers you to live right for him. That's how it works. God is interested in, empower, is, is interested in helping you live right for him. Not you trying to live right to please him. He's, he's in your life to help you live right. Okay? Oh, I'll never do this thing again in my life. You are lying. You are lying, isn't it? Have you noticed? I will five a few moments later. A few moments later, you are gone. Because you are trying to set some laws for yourself that you want to meet. No. But when you tell God, dear Holy Spirit, help me. Help me with this thing. Help me live for you. Help me say no when the time comes. The Bible says that He's able to keep you from falling. That's God's job. He keeps you from falling. It's a better way to live. Now, go back to uh, Galatians 2, verse 16, but in the King James. Knowing that a man is not justified by, by the works of the Lord, but by the faith of Jesus. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Have you seen it? By the faith of Christ. Our faith is the faith of Christ. We are justified by the faith of Christ. So we have faith. And we have the faith of Jesus. Our faith and Jesus' faith are the same. Galatians, go to Galatians 2.20 now. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By the, I live by what? Whose faith? 
Jesus is faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith of the Son of God is the measure of faith that is given to all of us. And that faith moves mountains. All of us sitting here have faith that can move a mountain. Literally and spiritually. The faith Jesus had to turn water into wine is the same as yours. There's no, there's not even a single difference. The only difference is that you are not expressing it. God wants you trained in faith to express your faith like Jesus expresses faith and get the results that Jesus had. They needed money for tax to be paid. Jesus told Peter, go and catch a fish. The first one you, you catch, look into the mouth, you find money in there. Pay for you and pay for me. That's what happened. Will you be able to start or attempt great things when there's no money? Do you plan, listen to me, do you plan with money in your mind or you plan with faith in your mind? Sometimes we are going to build a church building and all we have is 5,000 cities. And I'll tell them to dig. Start digging. Start digging. I don't know where money is going to come from, but I know it's going to work. It's going to work. All the money that I require for my life has been given. It's going to work. All the money will show up. Ask your neighbor, where's your faith? You have some. You have faith. Your neighbor, you have faith. Yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, you have faith. And let everyone think soberly. Uh, for I see through the grace of God given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt to all of us the measure, the same measure. I don't have a tablespoon, I don't have a ladle full faith, and you have a teaspoon full faith. No, all of us have ladle faith, ladle spoon, ladle whatever. The same measure, everybody. Turn to the nearest neighbor and tell him, you have the same measure of faith like Jesus has. Do you believe it? Same. Now God wants to train you in expressing that faith. You get it? Train you in expressing. Your patience. Your patience is just like Jesus' patience. You are patient in the spirit. Ah, you are, you are called patience, I tell you. You are patient in the spirit. Always remember that God has given us all, not some, all that pertains to life and godliness. All. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According as God's divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Even that one, it says it is through the knowledge of Jesus that has called us to glory and virtue. So the more you know about Jesus, the more... It's, it's a matter of knowledge. It's not a matter of doing. It's not a matter of doing any like, oh, let me, now I'm going to be very controlled and be patient because I know I have the patience of Jesus. So when they slap you, you're like, oh, I can't handle the pa-. Then you slap back. No, that's not, there's no effort. It's, a, it's not mechanical. It's a life. It's a flow of the life of God. The more you get to know him, the more that life flows out of you. Your reactions become the reactions of Jesus. Your emotions become the emotions of Jesus. All you need to do is to know him more. The more you know him through the pages of the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit, the more you express his patience. You are as loving as Jesus was when he was on earth. Yes. Remember the love of Christ is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God 
is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad. Constantly, God, the Holy Ghost is shedding the love of God in our hearts. Constantly. So you can love like Jesus loved. And that's what you need. 1 John 2.6. GNT. 1 John 2.6. Pastor Peggy said we should read 1 John 2.6. GNT. He says, if we say that we remain in union with God, we should live just as Jesus Christ did. This is basically what I'm preaching. He has finished the message. <laughs> if we say that we remain in, in union with God, and which we do, we remain in union with God. He says, we should live just as Jesus Christ did. How? It's not mechanical. It's not try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to walk in faith like Jesus walked. I'm going to try to be patient like Jesus was patient. Ha! I'm patient. I'm patient. No. Read about Jesus' life more. Find him in the pages of the scriptures. Keep looking at him. As you look at him, you are changed from glory to glory. And what was a problem for you some time ago will not be a problem for you this time. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. So stop that. Paul says, stop the efforts. Start looking at Jesus and his work. Basically, that's the gospel. Stop your efforts. Start looking. Stop trying to obey God by your own efforts. We obey God through the life that flows through us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. You see, you've, you've, you've listened to religious preaching. Uh, you don't understand. What, it's difficult to understand and, and accept what I'm saying. Uh, everywhere, everywhere you go. Do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that. The more you do this, the more this happens. Read your Bible. That's basically, read your Bible. Find Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Relate to the Holy Spirit. Everything that you is supposed to come will come. You want to look like Jesus, I tell you, on the outward. In your patience, in your love, in your faith, in your victory. Victory. God wants you to have victory like Jesus. Listen, Jesus has had victory over all things. You are seated together in heavenly places together with Christ Jesus. Victory over all things. Over all things. Victory over poverty. Victory over sickness. Victory over lack. Victory over insecurities. Victory over depression. Victory over all things. God has given you victory over all things. That's the victory Jesus has. All honor and glory and power and dominion has been given to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's handed it over to you and I. He wants us to exercise that authority wherever we find ourselves. Authority over sickness. Authority over demons. No demon should be able to harass you. Demon is har- No, it's not supposed to be like that. You're a child of God. Rise up and address those demons. You have no place in my life. In suffering, God wants us to look like Jesus in our sufferings. You shouldn't be suffering for the wrong reasons. Jesus was never lying in bed. Ah, I'm so, I'm so, I'm not feeling well at all. How do you say it? How do you say it in, in Ebe? Where are the others? Teddy, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> Say, this language, eh? I think it's from heaven. No? It's very, it's like it's close to the Hebrew. It's so heavy and deep. I like it. Say it again, my brother. 
I nearly said, where is Wagadus? But I'm not feeling well. I tell you. Hey. Did you ever see Jesus lying by Melano Coco? Something like that. So you shouldn't believe that concept that God has put the sickness on you to, to humble you. No, God has not God has not use sickness to humble anybody. No. You should not you understand that sickness is on the devil. And you must have victory by it. Jesus is waiting. You see, Jesus is seated, but he's waiting for his, his legs to have rest. He's waiting for all his enemies to be made his footstool. He's waiting for every single member of the body of Christ to have victory over sickness, over poverty, over lack, over depression, over all. He, he wants all of us to have victory over all those things. Yes, that's what God wants. There's a suffering that Jesus suffered. The suffering that Jesus suffered was for the purpose of accomplishing God's will. And there are sufferings that are laid down when you're accomplishing God's will. You go through some sufferings. Jesus had to carry a cross and go and die. There's a cross for you to also carry. We have to look like him in all things. Paul, you remember Paul said that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Power, power of his resurrection comes from death. If you are not dead, you can't be resurrected. You want to know the power of his resurrection? Death is imminent. Do you get it? Death about what? Death about many things. Sacrificing your time and, and a lot of things. If you want to follow Jesus in, in building what he wants to build, which is the church, you have to sacrifice your time. You have to die to your time. Hmm? What do you think? Wow. Die to time to spend time with him. Die to time to be able to do what he wants you to do. Spend hours doing what he wants. It's a fellowship of his sufferings. It's a fellowship. It's a koinonia. If you are not into that, it's like you don't really know him. When Jesus rose from the dead, he, al- he allowed for the nails in his hands to be kept there. He has a resurrected body, but the nails in his, in his hands are still there to show you his sufferings. The stripes at his back are still there. He could have made all those things vanish. Because all the bruises on his face vanished. All the bruises on his legs vanished. But the removal of his back is still there. That is his sufferings. He suffered for you to have healing. You suffer in order for others to have Christ. If you are suffering for any other thing, it's not correct. Any suffering you are suffering should be because you are bringing Christ to others. If you are suffering because of poverty, it's not correct. If you are suffering because of sickness, it's not correct. If you are suffering poverty because you are bringing Christ to others, then it's okay. Do you hear what I said? If you are suffering poverty because of what? Yes, Christ to others or others to Christ, it's fine. That suffering is good. <laughs> if you are suffering illness because you are bringing others to Christ or bringing Christ to others, in the process of bringing others to Christ, you end up suffering sickness. It's fine. That is your, is, your, is your treasure in heaven, I tell you. One of our brothers here's father was a, is a pastor. He had gone to preach one day and he was coming back. Had a gruesome accident and became paralyzed. So he's lying down right there. He's been lying down for a long time. That is, is, he's suffering. But that suffering is suffering because of something you did for the Lord. Do you get it? Uh-huh. 
even now and healing is still available health is available so i mean healing and health on all levels is available all the time if you believe it you have it but understand what i'm talking about i mean we have to know jesus in his sufferings in his sacrificing in his losing and in his dying hallelujah we have to serve jesus you see, because on that day if i had more time i would have spoken about the resurrection you see at the resurrection we are not all going to look the same at the resurrection you know what there's a day coming when christians will come out from the grave all of us will come out of the grave anyone who is dead died in the lord will come out of the grave it's in the scriptures philippians chapter 3 verse 20 for our conversation is heaven our, our citizenship is in heaven from whence we also look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our bad body that it may be a fashion like unto his glorious body according to the working where he's able even to subdue all things unto himself you see he says jesus will change our bio body this bio body will be changed that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body so we'll look like him in body we'll look like him where in body same body as jesus Colossians 3 3 paul says that for you are dead and your life is hid with christ in god then it says when christ verse 4 when christ who is our life shall appear it's called the panarosis of christ have you heard of panarosis before yeah. panarosis means appearing of christ the showing the outward showing there's a day coming when jesus will outwardly show physically for everybody to see him Revelation 1 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. He's talking about Jesus. How Jesus will come in with clouds. The clouds actually us. If I had more than I've got into it. Behold, Jesus comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, those who killed him. And all kindreds of the earth shall will because of him. Even so, amen. There's a day coming when he'll be revealed. Jesus will be revealed physically for every eye to see him. And we will also be revealed for every eye to see us as to what we really are. When Christ is alive shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4, please. When Christ is alive shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. We shall appear with him in glory. First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. One says, Behold, what man of blood the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. The world does not really know what we are. Then it says in verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not just appear what we shall be. But we know that when Jesus shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we are going to be like him. Now, in being like him, being like him is dependent on how well you are like him today. How you end your life looking like him is how you are going to resur resurrect looking like him. Do you get it? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you leave this earth looking like him to about 10%, then that is how you look like for eternity. So Christianity is not a fight to try and please God. It's a fight to look like Jesus at the end of the day. A hundred percent in fullness. That is the race you are fighting. You are, you are running. The race you are running is a race to look like Christ on all levels, in your patience, in your humility, looking like Christ in your humility. Humility is a cloak that Jesus has already purchased and brought. He says, wear it practically. 
Wear it practically. The pride will not take you anywhere. I'm going to preach about pride very soon. But there are a lot of people in pride who don't even know that they are in pride. They don't know. They have no idea. They can't humble themselves. You need to humble yourself. Jesus does not like pride. Pride is a sign of the devil. Just make, lay hands suddenly on no man, lest you be partaker of his sins. Then he says, the person who is consecrated to be a pastor or whatever should not be a novice, not a novice, lest he being inflated with pride should fall into the same problem as the devil fell into. It is pride that made the devil fall into what become a, he was not called, he was called Lucifer. Day star, morning star, good guy. Lucifer is a good name, you can call your son Lucifer. It's a very good name. Just that because of who it was, who was used to be called Lucifer, we don't want to call our children Lucifer. You get it? Uh, it's a very good name. Son of the of the morning. Yeah. First Timothy 36. Pride. It's a very wild thing. First Timothy 36. He says, not a novice. So he was talking about a bishop or a pastor, an overseer. He says, that guy should not be a novice. Who is a novice? Do you understand novice? NLT. They don't understand novice. I don't know which word again. An elder must not be a new believer. New guy. He just came. Abba Fresh. Johnny just come. JJC. An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud. And the devil will cause him to fall. This one is not saying it right. King James. The pride is the reason why the devil fell. The devil is the one said, I will ascend. I will become something. Whenever you start like, I am more important than everybody, I'm something, you are in trouble. I tell you, you are, you are vanishing. Why are they letting me sweep the floor? Are we all not, am I not a people? Are we not a person? Have you ever seen that video? Why shall I sigh? If I shall sigh, shall I sigh for you? Are we not a people? Am I not a people? <laughs> it says, not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation. Of the, the, the judgment that was given to the devil is a judgment of pride. The final verdict was pride. Yes, it's an offense, I tell you. Yes, in the court of God is the highest. It will lead you to treason and lead you to every other thing you can think of. Pride. I tell you, pride cometh before destruction. When pride, you see pride, destruction is right, but it's just by the side. You're a pastor, you can't clean bathroom. When I see your bathroom, I see what type of people you are. Your bathroom is, a, is, a, is an expression of who you are. Yes. Who should come and clean your bathroom for you? Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. You can't clean your bath. You can't clean your sink. Hmm. <laughs> it's a problem. So he wants you to look like Jesus in humility. What was Jesus' humility? It's unbelievable. Jesus' humility is what? Unbelievable. Yet that's the humility God has given to us. That's the cloak that Jesus has given to us. He wants us to wear and walk around with in the spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind, it says, let this mind, let this perception be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
This thing was in Christ. This was the mind of Christ. This was it. Can you show us other versions? This was his 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 attitude, and this was his attitude. And you must have the same attitude like Christ Jesus had. So Jesus, want you remember, you're supposed to conform to him in attitude. What was his attitude? This one's his attitude. Can we look at the amplified? Yes, attitude. Let the same ah, this one to says attitude. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility. Go back to NLT. Verse 6. Though he was God, so you don't hold on to what you have become or what you are. You may be coming from a very affluent home. Don't hold on to that. Don't live your life based on your affluence. Do you get it? Because of where you are coming from, you are Rollins' daughter or you are Ekufado's daughter or you are something. I'm just giving an example. You are Otikokos Wadana. You are Shanti. You are the Shanti King's brother or something. So you live your life or or, uh, or you are Ekobang Head's uh, son or, or you are the head. You have, you, have become the, you have become the president of the country. You have become vice president. You have become CEO of a, a setting what? ECG. CEO of ECG. <laughs> so now we can't talk to you. Now you can't be advised. Now you can't be related to. You enter, you move like this. When you're entering a door, you can't enter the door. If the door is a small door, so you have to like the door has to move for you to be able to come in. Hey! How do you say in English? All that we are saying, how do you say in English? Kokoti, yeah. You are like this. You are like a frog. A frog in the spirit. Hey! We can't talk to you. You, we can't send you. Send who? You? We don't want problems, so we can't send you. We can't tell you. Clean. Oh, can you clean? Can you take that chair? I mean, <laughs> am I the one I'm talking to? I am the one. Do you know whom, whom am I? Do you know whom am I? There's something. Your distraction is coming. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on. So anything you have, anything you have become that you want to cling on to, you have been made a reverend minister. You want to cling on to that? Yeah, I'm a reverend minister. You have become a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. So now you have, I have to be treated in a certain way. There's something wrong with you. Every appointment in the house of God is an appointment to service. Mercy. Appointment to what? Service. Service. If you are not a servant, you are joking. Mercy. Humility is categorized in two aspects: servanthood and childlikeness. We are child. We are childlike. Jesus was childlike. Jesus was a servant. He was served. He was serving. He said, "Am I not your? Don't you call me Lord and Master? But I'm among you as one who serves." He cleaned their dirty feet. Jesus. The creator of the heavens and the earth, when he came on earth, sat disciples down one day and cleaned their, washed their feet and told them that I've given you an example. I've given you what an example. Do the same for every other person. Yes. Wash each other's feet. John 13, 13. You call me master and lord and you say well. What you are saying, you are calling master and lord. It's true. I'm master and, and lord. Because so I am. I am. I am your master and your lord. Next verse. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
He's talking about serving. The servants were the, the lowest of servants were the ones who were washing their their master's feet. He did the job of the, the lowest of servants. He wants us to look like him in humility. There is no pride in heaven. You can't you can't be in heaven with your pride. Your rank in heaven is determined by how humble you are. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the highest ranks are those that look people who are low. They, they look like this. So humble yourself. Tell me about humble yourself. Tell the other humble yourself. Shake your neighbor and say, humble yourself. You will go far. We have something we say amongst uh, Reverend George's sons. Humble yourself, you go far. We say it to each other, humble yourself. When we see someone, humble yourself, you go far. <laughs> humble yourself. Tell me, but humble yourself. You go far. Yeah. Hey! Tell me, but don't become like a frog. <laughs> Do that to your neighbor. <laughs> We can't talk to you. We can't counsel you. We can't send you. Hey! Look for the nearest frog by you and tell her, Charlie. That's why one of my favorite songs is a song that Bishop Dad sings a lot. I wanna be more like you. Do you know that song? Jesus. Huh? Kindly rise up on your feet. Let's sing that song. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be a vessel you were too. I want to be more like you. How many of you want to be like Jesus? On all sides. All sides. We are like him. Inwardly. Outwardly. Like From your hand, lift up your hands and sing it.
your children i pray that your word will guide us lead us to grow up into jesus in all things in our attitude in our heart in our words in the in our purpose in every single thing that we do let jesus be the aim for our existence and i know that as we seek you every other thing is added to us thank you for prosperity added to us there's health and strength added to us wisdom added to us fruitfulness added to us on every single heart even in jesus name amen god bless you for listening we pray that the word of god will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word kindly follow pastor t and love economy church on all social networks for more of god's word don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.